Thank you. Good morning, everybody. It's always a privilege to cross the Detroit River or go over it or under it and to come visit you guys here in Canada. Um, I love what Ty shared a few minutes ago in the song that we finished with, just of the faithfulness of God. And, you know, we can trust him. He's good. And no matter what he leads us into, no matter what he asks of us, it's always good. We can trust him. And uh, you can open your Bibles or your apps if you have them with you. Uh, we're going to primarily look at Isaiah 54 this morning. Um, but first, I just want to read one chapter forward from Isaiah 55, which is just a, a couple verses from Isaiah 55 that as I was praying for this week and praying for all of us who would gather here, uh, the Lord put a couple of these verses on my heart for us. Uh, verse 1 of Isaiah 55 says, Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. And I think we come to a week like this, we come to these waters, so to speak, and we come hungry and we come thirsty for something from God. But I think we often come thinking that we know what we need from God, thinking that we want him to answer a specific question or to give us direction on a specific thing. And I believe that there's some of us gathered here this week where there are situations in our lives where our great labor, our great effort is not working anymore, where we're weary. And I feel like there's even some here this week who have barely made it here. You've just thought, I don't even know if I have the resource or the energy or the time to even be here this week, but you've decided to come. And, you know, even some of those cares, like Tyron was talking about a minute ago, some of those things are even good things. They're legitimate things. It's, I don't sense that there's a carnal group of people gathered here today. I sense that there's a people who are serious about the things of God. But sometimes even in those things, we become weary and we become burdened and we even become distracted from what God wants our attention on. And I think these, sometimes these cares and these fears cause us to seek safety, as Tyron was just saying. And we move into this self-preservation mode. And we move into resource preservation even. And I think we live in a time, not just in Canada, but in our world, where comfort and safety is prioritized above all else. Um, and I don't even just mean in, in relation to a virus. I think we seek, as a culture, we seek safety. We seek comfort. And everything is built that way for us. But God says then in Isaiah 55, if you go down to verse 8, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And the only way that we're going to live in the realm of God's purposes for our lives is when we're willing to push past the boundaries of our comfort and our safety, of what we think that we can manage of what we think that we can uh, afford or expend ourselves on. And as we step beyond that, that's where we meet God. That's where he's calling us to step into the unknown. And it's counterintuitive sometimes, even to our what would seem wise to us. Sometimes it's counterintuitive to take those steps. But it's there that we find the capacity of our limitless God. 
And it is there that we find his supernatural provision for us and also for what he's called us to do. And it's even there that we find true comfort and true safety. That what the world offers us is a false comfort and a false safety. But when we step into what God has for us, there's a true comfort and a true safety. And so if you just go to that earlier chapter in Isaiah 54, uh, God gives us a word here and he instructs us to push beyond these cozy places of our security, past our us for and no more tendencies. We all have them. And to push beyond what we think we can manage. And so let's read from Isaiah 54, verses 1 through 3. It says, Sing, O barren, you who have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent, and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. And you know that word nations there in scripture, we think of geographical borders, but you know it also is just people. It's people groups, it's people. That's what nations are, they're people. And so people are on the heart of God. And when he says, I wanna give you nations, he's saying, I want, I want you to reach people on my behalf. And in the history of the Hebrew people, when this was written, they were nomads, they were Bedouins, they lived in tents. And when they would have more children or when they would take new people into their family, they would sew extra flaps into their tent to make their tent larger. And this is such a beautiful picture of what God is asking of us. He's saying, I want you to make room for more. I want you to make room for the new. I want to enlarge your life and grow your capacity to match mine, he says. I think where we want to preserve ourselves and we want to preserve our resources, God is saying, no, throw it wider. He's saying, do not spare, expand. And you know, sometimes our resources and what we have even begins to dry up because God is wanting to push us out into something bigger. And I was reading about how baby birds begin to eat on their own. And if they're in the, ne the nest as a baby bird, you know, the mother brings them food every day and literally feeds them into their mouths. But gradually that mother bird starts putting the food in the nest and then on the edge of the nest and then will stand further out just beyond the nest to make those baby birds begin to move out beyond what they're comfortable with so that they will begin to step into their destiny and begin to fly and begin to eat on their own. And that's sometimes what God does to us, I think, to get us to move beyond what we're comfortable with, that his provision is beyond where it's been before. And, you know, there's been times in our lives, many times, but even in this year, even in 2022, when we felt at the end of our energy, at the end of our resources, we lead a new church, we run a small business, and many signs would point to us and say, okay, Now's the time to save. Now's the time to conserve. Now's the time to preserve yourselves and just take care of your basic needs and batten down the hatches because it's getting kind of rough. Yet every time we went to God, what he said to us was go. He said, invite others in. He said, take what you have and sow it and give it away. And we have seen multiple times, even in this year, that as we've pushed past our own discomfort and our own safety, God has met us in that stretch 
And he has not only met us there to meet our needs, but he um, has also put us in that space so that we could meet the needs of others. If you stay in your space, then God is only meeting your needs. But when you move beyond that space, you're in a realm where God can also use you to meet the needs of others. And so this passage in Isaiah 54 is, is one that God gave me years ago when he was moving us to South Africa in 2008, and then we actually moved in 2009. And uh, this, this picture of enlarging your life, enlarging your capacity, he literally enlarged our lives to include another nation. And uh, we sold everything. We were living in Georgia, and we moved to South Africa with six suitcases. Our kids were one and four. That young man on the front row over there was one year old. He's 15 now when we moved to South Africa. And um, we had the privilege of coming on the NCMI team while we were living in South Africa. We had the privilege of leading a local church there. And then um, six years ago, we moved back to the U.S. to downtown Detroit, planted a church five years ago. All those things were for God because he asked of us. But, you know, all those things were about people. They were not about geographical lines. They were about people. And the people are on the heart of God. And when he wants to enlarge our lives, when he asks us to do things, it's for people. It's for the sake of the people that are on his heart. And, you know, if we're honest, if we're really honest with ourselves, I think a lot of times we're very focused on ourselves and not on others. We're focused on our own mission. We're focused on our own goals and tasks. We're very aware of our own feelings even, how we feel about these things. But the key to growing our capacity is first eyes on Jesus. He is the one who enlarges us. But as we allow him to enlarge us, we realize that what is on his heart is people. And, and we become passionate about what he is doing, which is about people. So as we look at this passage in Isaiah 54, I just want to break it apart into three things that I think show us how we allow God to grow our capacity. So verse 1, it says, God starts by addressing our, um, he, he says, sing, O barren. And so the reason he says, sing, O barren, I believe, is that he starts by addressing the barren areas in our lives. And the reason he addresses those areas is for fruitfulness. He wants to bring a flourishing and a fruitfulness. And I just want to say that's what big capacity is for. Big capacity is not for busyness. It's not so that we have more things to do. It's so that we can be fruitful. And, you know, God loves to bring fruitfulness from barren places. It is one of his specialties, which we realize when we look throughout Scripture, when we study the lives or when we see the examples of Isaiah, uh, sorry, sorry, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Samson, Samuel, and John the Baptist. Each one of those people I just mentioned were born to barren women. Each one of them. Even Jesus was born to a virgin. God loves to bring new life out of impossible situations. Each one of those people I just mentioned were nation changers. God wants to bring his salvation through those areas of our lives that seem completely barren. Wherever you feel small today, wherever you feel like everything is dried up and there's no life, that may be the very area where God wants to bring new life. Not only to save you out of your situation, but to bring his salvation to the world around you. It might be in an area of your natural life. It could be an area of your spiritual life. But I believe God wants to touch those barren places. And Tyron said it a few minutes ago, do not be limited 
The definition of limit is a point beyond which something may not extend. A limit is a restriction. And I just want to ask us this morning, did God set those boundaries or did you? Did you put those restrictions in place for your own life? Because I believe today God is moving some of those borders and boundaries out of the way for us. Isaiah 57:15 describes God as the one who inhabits eternity. That's how big our God is. He is so big that he fills up all of eternity. And as our father, as his children, we have his DNA. So we cannot put those kinds of limits on us because our God is not limited. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says he has planted eternity in the human heart. That our capacity would reach beyond this life that we live. That we would carry something bigger that resonates throughout all of eternity. He's put that within each of us. And as we trust him to move into what he's calling us into, we, we tap into some of that limitlessness. I love the example of Mary in scripture, the mother of Jesus. She was not limited by her own capacity. You don't have to turn there, but I'm just going to read a few verses from Luke 1. In verse 30, it says, Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. That's a pretty big vision that the angel just spoke to Mary. And then in verse 34 it says, Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that the Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. And then in verse 38 it says, then Mary said, behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Mary conceived when she heard God speak, and she said yes. Her capacity literally enlarged when she said yes to what God said, and she was able to carry what God wanted to bring through her life. And I want to say to us today, we need to be hungry to hear what God is saying. When we feel small, when we feel closed in, we need to be so hungry to hear the word of the Lord because it's the word of the Lord that's going to break us out of that small place as we say yes to him. And we all have that same calling that Mary had, which is to reveal Jesus to the world. We all carry that same calling and we conceive when we say yes to God, just like Mary did. Then if you go back to uh, If you go back to Isaiah 54, in verse 2, God says, um, enlarge the place of your tent. I like to kind of rephrase that and say, grow your capacity. Let me grow you. Let me make you longer. Um, And it says, let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. That word in the original language in the Hebrew, enlarge, it simply means to make room and to open wide. And in English, we define the word capacity as the potential or suitability for holding and accommodating. The potential or the suitability for holding or accommodating. So God wants to make us larger on the inside to add to us the things that he wants to add to our lives. It says, do not spare. I love that because that to me just describes the heart of our God. He's a generous God. He's giving. His heart posture is one that 
that gives, and he wants us to have that same heart posture, not holding on to, not holding our, our fist clenched tightly, that we would not spare. It says, lengthen your cords. And you know, if you think about this analogy of this tent that God is making bigger, if you're going to have a larger tent, if you're going to sew extra flaps into the tent to make it larger, then the cords that attach, you know, if you think about an actual tent, the cords that go down into the ground to the top of the tent, they're going to have to be longer, right? So God says, lengthen your cords. And I think when God is making us bigger, when he's enlarging us, when he's asking us to make room, there's a stretching that happens that sometimes even feels unreasonable. Have you ever felt that? It seems like, God, really? Are you sure about that? Because that seems unreasonable to me. But we need to allow our cords to be stretched by facing our fears with faith, as we've also heard this morning. When we moved to South Africa in 2009, um, I had been the one who had wanted to go. And then when it actually came time to go and we had the opportunity, I was the one who was in fear. Because by that time, I had a one-year-old and a four-year-old. And Paul was ready to go, and I was concerned of what is this going to mean for my children? You know, how are we going to care for them? What about schools? And it's just a different culture. And are they going to marry South African women? And then are we going to have to live the rest of our lives and grandkids? And, you know, your mind just runs away with you. And what does this mean? Not that that would be a bad thing to marry a South African woman at all. But, you know, as a mother, you just start realizing all of a sudden how your decisions are going to affect your children in such a massive way. And so we had actually been offered employment as God spoke to us about moving into South Africa. After we said yes to the Lord, then there was employment that was offered to us. And we had not given the final yes to step into those contracts. And uh, we needed to give a yes this one particular weekend. We were living in Georgia. We were on the eldership team of a church there. And someone came through, a prophetic ministry gift came through the church and ministered. And this person knew nothing of the opportunity that was in front of us. And at the end of her preach, she was ministering prophetically to people, and she called me forward, and she began to prophesy over me. And it was actually such an amazing word about God opening a nation and God doing amazing things. But my heart was so in fear about this opportunity because of my children that it was almost like I couldn't even hear what she was saying. And then at the end of her prophetic word, she said, you know what, and Menda, God says, don't worry about your kids because he's got provision for them that you don't even know about yet. And as she said that, it was like God's word just unlocked my heart and calmed me and gave me peace to trust him. And it just gave me the ability for what we were able then to say yes. And, you know, I'm so grateful today that we did not allow, that I did not allow my fear to keep us back from not only what God had for us, but what God had for our kids. I want to tell you, every time we have said yes to God, he has provided for our children better than we ever could have. There are things that they have experienced and walked in that they would never have if we had not said yes to God. And I just want to say to you, parents, God will never ask anything of you that is not also good for your children. You can trust him completely with your children. So I needed to let God stretch my cords in that area to make me larger. While we were living in South Africa, in January of 2015, I experienced an armed robbery in our home. I was home alone, and two men came in, took my wedding ring off and all of my jewelry, robbed. They had a gun, and I was held at gunpoint. Wasn't harmed at all, thank God. 
But, you know, after that experience, which is far too familiar with many people I know, unfortunately, after that experience, my greatest fear in that first week after it was that I would live in fear for the rest of my life. That was my greatest fear, like, oh gosh, I don't want to become a fearful person. And I was taking that before the Lord, and I realized that the robbery happened on the sixth anniversary of us moving to South Africa. And I'm not trying to be weird with dates or anything, but often God has spoken to me through dates and numbers. And so I said, Lord, is there significance to that date? Did it happen on January 15th? And I had just started reading through the Bible on a one-year Bible plan, and I decided to go and, uh, you know, in South Africa, they write the date 15-1 instead of 1-15. I'm not even sure what you do in Canada. Uh, but in the States, we write 1-15. So in, uh, I went to Genesis 15-1 because that was the date that it happened. And it says there, do not be afraid. I am your shield, your very great reward. And again, the word of the Lord just unlocked my heart where I was in fear. And I want to tell you in that moment as I received the word of God, like Mary did, I was supernaturally delivered from fear, like supernaturally delivered. And I can honestly tell you I am a less fearful person today than I was before that experience. And where God want, where the enemy has tried to make us small, God wants to take those situations and actually turn them on their head upside down and deliver you from fear. Where he has tried to make your life smaller where you won't say yes to God. He wants to, God in God's hands, he can take those situations and break you beyond that and actually make you larger. Because I didn't know at that time, but a couple years later, God was going to ask us to move to Detroit. And if you don't know, Detroit is the capital for armed assault in our nation, for murder, for violent crime, according to population per capita. And if I had allowed that situation to make me small, which I believe was an attack of the enemy to try to prevent me from stepping into what God had for me next, it would have done just that. It would have, I wouldn't have been able to say yes to God. And so we need to be wise to those things. In those areas where we're fearful, we need to bring those things to God and say, Lord, Turn this around and actually give me more courage. Give me more ability to trust you rather than this making me small. What the enemy intends for harm, God uses to lengthen our cords. So even today, I invite you to turn your fears over to God. Turn the experiences that you've had that have made you shrink back, made you unable to trust, and ask God to Use those things to actually grow your capacity. And then if we go back to Isaiah 54, the last part of verse 2 says, strengthen your stakes. So he says, lengthen your cords, and he says, strengthen your stakes. And again, if you're going to have a larger tent, you've got to have longer cords. If the cords are longer, if the tent's bigger, it's heavier, it's going to need stronger stakes in the ground. Every single time that God has enlarged my life and added more to me. I've had to go through an underground strengthening, an underground time where God is, is shoring me up and strengthening me to be able to support what he wants to add to my life. So how do we let that strengthening happening? I believe there's many ways, but I just want to mention two. One of the ways I believe that God always uses to strengthen our stakes, we read in Ephesians 3. In verse 16 and 17, it says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. 
rooted and grounded in love. And it sounds so simple, but we must be rooted and grounded in the love of God, his love for us. And in large capacity has to be built on something that goes deep in the love of God. His love heals our hearts. His love makes us stronger. You know, I think, to be honest, even since we've come to Detroit and in the past five years since we've planted a church, there's been disappointments, there's been hurts, there's been experiences that have wanted us to wobble in our sense of the love of God, to make us not want to risk again. So don't be surprised if God goes after things in your heart where there's been hurts, where there's things that you've caught, have caused you to not trust, either not trust people or not trust God. He's going after those things to heal you, to make you more secure in his love so that you can be strong and rooted in him. So even in those things, as God comes after those things to heal you, don't be self-preserving. Don't hold on to those things, but say, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust you to heal my heart. Lord, I trust you to show me your love in this area of my life so that my roots can go down deep so you can make me stable, stable in the love of God, rooted in the love of God. If God's addressing things in your heart, he's probably preparing to grow your capacity again. He's probably preparing you to grow larger. So let him do what he wants to do in your heart. And again, it's not just for you. He loves you so much he wants to heal your heart, but it's also because he sees others beyond you that he wants you to reach. So let him do his work in our hearts. And then another way I want to mention that I believe that we strengthen our stakes, which is so important, we read in Psalm 92, it says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. That's verses 13 and 14. And I've seen over and over again that when someone plants themselves in the house of God, local church, imperfect local church, a local church, that their life begins to take root on another level. They begin to become more fruitful in every area of, of their lives. They become more stable. Their capacity grows because we're so much bigger together. If I'm on my own, I have a very limited capacity, but when I'm part of something bigger than my capacity is much bigger. And you know, local church, church community is actually the healthiest place. It's the best soil for our capacity to grow. Even through the difficulties that we would rather not go through, God uses it all to grow our capacity. So I wanna encourage you to really root yourself in local church and let God grow your capacity through that. I had this picture of pots versus an orchard that I think a lot of times we try to be a pot. We're planted in a pot. So we, we can control everything. But God sees us as an orchard that he wants us to be planted with one another in the same soil. And then verse 3 of Isaiah 54, the last verse, it says, For you shall expand to the right and the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. And again, that word nation, so we can just know that that means people. In 2012, we had just started leading a local church in Johannesburg, in Santon, and it was the first time we had ever led a church. We had been on an eldership team, but we had never led. And once again, I stepped into that ready and confident, and then I was hit with fear. And I was hit with all of my insecurities, everything you can imagine. Just within a couple months, I just felt like a mess. 
And I, I said, God, I went to God in desperation one day. I actually went into my closet, physically into my closet, got on my knees, and I said, Lord, you've got to help me. I'm like panicking. I feel so insecure. All these lies were coming to my head. Who do you think you are? You're not even from this nation. Why do you think you are you know, What do you think you can do here? I said, God, if you don't help me with these lies, I'll be no good for me, for my husband, for our church. You've got to help me break through with this. And the Lord spoke instantly to me from Psalm 2 verse 8, the father speaking to Jesus said, ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. And the father spoke that to me or Jesus spoke it to me. And I felt like Jesus said, how do you think that I receive my inheritance in the earth? Because that was something that the father said to Jesus, ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. Jesus said to me, how do you think that I receive my inheritance in the earth? And the only thing I can answer is, Lord, through us, through me, as I say yes to you, that people are brought under the covering of our tents, so to speak, the covering of our lives. People are brought into what you've given us, and we receive your inheritance on your behalf for you. And Jesus just gave me the confidence in that moment to inherit the nations. And I believe God wants to give us that kind of confidence today, but we've got to make room for what he wants to do, that our resources are his, that our lives are his, that our homes are his, that our kids are his, so that we can inherit the nations on his behalf.